Hello and welcome to Virtual Roundtables Live, the broadcast that brings business leaders together to discuss and debate the latest industry topics and trends. Now over to today's host. Um, So yes, my name is Chris Higgins. I'm Head of Strategy Deployment at GSK and Chief of Staff for Worldwide Real Estate and Facilities. The reason I wanted to talk to you about this today is um, I came to the October event and uh, after a social um, gathering at the end, we had a discussion with one of uh, the suppliers out there and we took their product and we applied it in the hub. So while this isn't finished and it's still live, it's great to be able to get out there and talk to you now about what we're doing and hopefully get your ideas. And if you want to try anything out in a hub, then um, more than happy to have that discussion with you. So I find it useful to discuss uh, the structure of REF in GSK because FM, um, you're very lucky if you find an FM department in an organization. We're slowly getting there. They're slowly becoming more common. Um, so um, as was mentioned, 55 million square foot of space. Something's happened to Africa there. I'm not entirely sure uh, where half of that's gone. Um, we, we manage all of the real estate. So all of the sites is around about 550 sites across the globe but we only operate the facilities on the larger sites, which is roughly around about 84, 85 sites. Um, So that's the FM part. And we do that with this structure. So we have our global real estate team managing all of the um, leases and the owned properties. Then we have our infrastructure services group that specializes in hard services and infrastructure management. Then we have REF R&D and REF Commercial. So these are our operations groups. So these are the guys that manage and operate the site on a daily basis. The main difference is one of them looks after scientific sites and our labs, while the other looks after the corporate standard office space. Then we have service performance and delivery. This is our center of excellence for service design um, and soft services mostly. Um, and then we have our risk and compliance group, which keep us in check. And this, we couldn't do any of this without our partners, which are at the bottom there. The main ones being CBRE for our hard services, Sodexo for our soft, um, and Jones Lang for our real estate. Okay, so office design. So you've been hearing a lot about it today. Um, going to take you back to the 90s. We were talking about the 90s at dinner last night for a strange quiz about the Spice Girls for some reason. I don't know how that happened. So this was our new design in the 90s. We, uh, this was Philadelphia. We took the cube and we innovated that cube to make it more private. We added a door so they could close themselves off. We added filing so they could add as much filing as they wanted. They had their own little whiteboard in there. And we also gave them some innovative technology, the disc man, so they could relax and listen to music or, or their notes. So obviously since then, the space has changed significantly. And around about in 2006, we started implementing smart working or agile working space. And this is what we ended up with. So we have Navy Yard, which is Philadelphia, US, Shanghai, and GSK House um, in Brentford. So we did exactly what we've been talking about um, in the discussions earlier today. We reduced the footprint from going from one to one to down to eight to 10. We took the square, foot, uh, square meters per person down from 16 to 10, and we gave them the flexibility and the tools that they needed to become agile working. But there was a fantastic question this morning. That what was the definition of agile working environment? So what do you define as agile working environment? Is it the reduction in space, 
or is it the flexibility in working? The employee thinks it's the flexibility and your CFO thinks it's the reduction in space. But what we see, even though we have this very nice little graphic here of our smart working guidelines, what we've seen is that's become more and more of a drive from the CFO. So all of a sudden, those soft seating areas, the nice high tables that you see get value engineered out of the solution. Our office has become how many desks, meeting rooms, and quiet booths can you fit into the floor plate? And that becomes, that became our smart working guidelines. So we needed to make a change. And to do that, we put a think tank together in 2017. We started looking, okay, so in 2006, we did smart working. We said, this is gonna change the workplace. It's gonna make people more productive, but nothing's really changed since then. So what, what's gonna be the next big breaker for FM and the workplace design? And from that, two streams came out. The first one was uh, flexible real estate. So this is a trial that we're currently doing with WeWork. And that's a CFO's nightmare, because now you're paying for two sites. And the second was the workplace performance hub, which I'm gonna to talk to you about now. So I was given the task to go away and come up with an innovative working environment that significantly drives employee productivity, engagement, experience, and well-being to do the GSK mantra of do more, feel better, and live longer. So as you can imagine, that's no easy task. How the hell do we start? Where do we go first? So we looked at the customer journey. Great place. So where, where does our customer, which is, again, we were talking about this this morning, are they a customer or are they your employees? Where does their interaction first start? And it's as soon as they leave the house. So their commute to work. Where are their pain points? Technology. What are they doing? Are they queuing? Are they going and using the different environments? What are they telling us? We have a, a raft of different data sets, but whereabouts are actually they're causing us the most pain to our employees? Are they collabor collaborating efficiently? We're a global company, so being able to talk to the rest of the world is really important, but does that mean that you need to stay up really late to talk to the west coast of the US, or do you need to get up really early to talk to China and Tokyo? And that, exactly what is the principles behind those engagements? So we took in all of this data, looked at these different um, pain points, and started to build up a bit of a wish list of areas we're going to look at. We talked to academics, and we said, right, okay, so what are you seeing in this area? What would you suggest? How would we study these types of environments, and where would we go next? So the first thing, after the customer journey, we started to look at the workplace. So the design, what were the aspects that we wanted to look at? What's important to the workplace design? And they came up with seven things, which were quite interesting. Um, ventilation, indoor humidity. Yep, we know that that can improve um, the workplace experience, but exactly how important is that? The thermal comfort. So a vast difference between being in here to being out there. Which one would you prefer? What actually is the correct temperature if you want to be strategic thinking? What's the correct temperature if you're working in a warehouse? What's the correct temperature if for memory retention? And there's quite a few studies in that, but how do you apply that to the workplace? Lighting. So the move from fluorescent tubes to LEDs, that's fantastic, energy saving costs, but there's additional benefits you can get from lighting. Circadian rhythm patterns. Is there a way that you can improve people's productivity just through lighting? Noise and acoustics. So for any of you that are on or have gone through your agile working transformation, noise will be the number one complaint that you get. 
that would be the removal of those booths, which used to be a lovely sound dampener, all of a sudden create a wide open space and people can't concentrate. So how do you deal with that without putting the booths back? Is it acoustic paneling? Is it soundscaping? Is it white noise? The look and feel of the office, if you, uh, with the Leesman study was mentioned earlier today, very important factor, one of their um, super drivers within the Leesman study. And that leads into plants, biophilia. So how much biophilia do you need to put in a space? We value engineered that out years ago. Plants are expensive. But actually, what does that do to the employee? Can you measure that difference? Actually, how much of it has to be real? Could you do a 60-40? What's the best balance? And then there's the interior layout. So this is the different flex spaces. These are the bleached seatings. These are the areas that allow you to have quiet time or collaborative time or just sit and do your work. So these are all the things we looked at. And these are all the things that we're going to test. So welcome to the Workplace Performance Hub. And welcome to our experiments. So over the next six months, we start in January. The first batch ends in June. We've put 60 people into an experimental space where we're going to be testing all aspects of the workplace on them. They've basically signed over everything to us, so we'll be recording all of their information, where they go, what they do, what they eat, and I'll come on to some of those in a second. And then in six months' time, we're going to throw them out, put them back into the normal space. We're still going to measure them for a little bit, but then we're going to put a new group in. We're looking at the different demographics, we're looking at different age groups, we're looking at the academic levels that are going in. All of these are factors that are baselining our data, which we hope will give us a strong data set to improve our smart working design. So in these experiments, we have some which are the pilots, so they're lasting the, the full six months they're in. The rest of them are the sprints. So the sprint is done in a controlled environment. We basically take our guinea pigs out, we put them into a room, and we will change something in the room. We're not telling them what we're going to change. Sometimes it might be obvious when the wall turns a different color or when it suddenly gets blistery hot in the room. But it, we will be running cognition tests on them during that time. And we'll see how that's affecting their performance. So here's some of the things that uh, is going to go into the space. And some of the things, actually most of these, all of these are live now. So I talked about soundscaping, noise. So you can hear me bellowing at the moment. Our soundscaping system is actually this one here. It's made by Plantronics Habitat. So when it detects a peaking noise, when it hears a voice, specifically words, it will then create a blanket of sound around me to stop me distracting other people in the office. Not great when you're doing a lecture, but in the office environment, it's perfect. And actually, it's not just white noise. So it's not just a shh, because that creates stress. So you don't want to do that. So what do you do instead? Well, Plantronics use natural sounds, water sounds to be specific. And no, that doesn't mean you need to go for a wee every five minutes. But they back that up with um, ultra HD, 4K, whatever it's called, 80-inch uh, screens playing the, the river running that you're hearing as well. So it's an intelligent system that adapts, but at the same time lowers stress levels. So there's two benefits. Talked about circadian lighting rhythm. So we implemented a Philips circadian lighting rhythm. This basically peaks the Kelvin and the intensity of the light early in the morning, dips it down around lunchtime, and then peaks it again in the afternoon. A couple of major benefits with that one. First of all, it helps with the energy levels and helps to reduce stress. Second of all, we have a lot of international travelers at GSK. It also helps remove jet lag. 
posture. So we talked about the different spaces in the workplace. So we talked about it's important to have the collaborative areas, the high desks, all those things. But our health and safety group made us remove plugs from the high desks because they didn't want people working there too long because you start arching your back because you're working on your laptop. So how do you type, make these different types of environment and not just do the change management to get people to use it, but how do you know that actually, we can, you, how long can you work there? So we're using two different things. We're using an upright go sensor on 20 of the occupants, which measures their trunk inflection. So have you got a straight back? Are you sitting properly? And we're also using a special camera system, which is measuring how well they're sitting at certain types of furniture. And along with R and our furniture supplier, we're then going to identify what's good, bad, and how long you can sit in different types of environment. So I talked about we're going to measure everything from them, and we really are. This is their vitals that we're measuring here. So we baseline everything, so their heart rate, their blood pressure, their lung capacity, their skin temperature. We look at their calorie consumption. So we do that with our click and collect or food ordering service. So they can order their lunch to their area, um, which is then delivered from Sodexo. And that also tells us via the Fitbits that we've given them how many calories they've consumed for lunch. We can also look at their water, so we can see how much they're drinking from their Fitbit. All of this syncs back, and we anonymously collect that data and look at the trends over time. So that would be a pilot, and if we want to look further into the water and how hydration affects your concentration, we'd then make it into a sprint. So it talks about the cognitive performance. So London Cognition made a special cognitive test for us, which we're running on the, uh, the sprints. Um, talked about the uh, hydration. Tea and coffee was an interesting one. Uh, we managed to increase the satisfaction by 60% of tea and coffee just by offering herbal tea um, instead of the, just the normal PG tips. So in the little bags. Slight cost change, but when you actually look at the cost differential from the satisfaction of the customer, well worth it. Um, occupancy tracking. So we talked about sensors and beacons. We've done that. So we've got occupancy tracking in the lighting system. We've got occupancy tracking in the meeting management system. We also use Bluetooth beacons uh, for Sony Nimway, as well as PIR sensors, which enables two things. First of all, it gives the customer something more important. It gives them a wayfinding solution. It gives them a screen that when you walk up to, you don't have to get out anything. You don't have to touch the screen. It knows that Chris is standing in front of the screen. My picture will pop up and show me where my next meeting is. Don't have to do anything, but it gives a benefit to me, so I want to use it, which means I'm going to go into the app, which means the occupancy system is actually going to know what Chris is doing, driving them to use the system. Um, and we're looking to integrate that into our meeting areas. And again, one of the things we talked about meetings um, earlier. So we flooded them all with um, next generation VTC units from Cisco, as well as the brand new Cisco WebEx boards, so they can collaborate anywhere they want with the smart boards. But if you start linking that back to the Sony Nimway product, which is what we're developing at the moment, potentially you can find a place where you don't actually have to book a meeting room anymore. You can just walk into a room, the room identifies that it's Chris, and will auto-connect your call. We've already got the auto-connect working now, so if you walk, book a, a room in our meeting management system, you walk in, it will automatically connect the call. Which is amazing because, again, one of the major complaints you have is people not being able to fit the wire in, not being able to connect to the Wi-Fi, and by the time you get all that sorted, you're 10 minutes into your meeting. Um, and last, the biofiller. So at the moment, we've got that um, roughly a 70-30 split 
um, which is 30% um, fake, which is the hanging plants, whereas the rest are, are, are real live. And we'll be fluctuating that throughout the space, but continually to survey them. So I talked about survey. Um, we're using Leesman very heavily, and you can see some of the Leesman data here. Um, and that's actually some of the data from the heart rates being able to reduce stress. And we, again, we're measuring this every month. Um, and we're also using happy or not services, so the little smiley face button things. We have them across the state now, but we're using the next generation, which is allowing people to type in feedback and send us information. So that's some of the stuff. There's, there's more, believe it or not. Uh, this is what it looks like. Um, so we talked about the biophilia, we talked about the kitchenette area, being able to give them additional space to collaborate, but actually space that they're going to use. How are they going to use it? Well, we know how they're using it because we're tracking everything they do. Um, I'll give you a little bit another one. Hopefully it will work. Yeah, oh, there we go. Sit-stand desks. We also have heated and cooled desks so they can have little micro-environments. Um, to see how that affects them. We're also given the option to kind of tailor their space a little bit more, um, but at the same time, allowing anybody to use it. The lockers that was just talked about in the previous um, piece, we've actually completely ditched the keys. It's now controlled on the access security pass. And actually we don't let them keep stuff in it. They have, it's only a day locker. So they can keep stuff in it overnight, but after 24 hours, it's released. And the idea there is that we're saving more space on being able to put more um, use more of the space for a desk or, or for the other areas. And actually that means people become more agile because they're keeping their, their belongings down to a real bare minimum. And as long as you have the right people going into the space, that doesn't create too much of an issue. So the first group that we've put in is a digital data and analytics team. So they're quite tech savvy. Um, and as I said, we're continuing to, to measure how they use that space. The next group we're going to be putting into this space are going to be more of a scientific background, so um, a bit of an older generation. And we'd like to see whether we agree or disagree with the Leesman study, which says actually the gender, uh, sorry, the uh, generation impact on the workspace isn't as significant as you may think. So that's the Workplace Performance Hub. Um, I'm here all day if you'd like to come and talk about any of the experiments or any of the things that we're doing, or if you'd like to try something out. Um, please give me a shout. Thanks very much. That was really interesting, Chris. I'm impressed by the level of research that you've done there and the, the analysis. Um, has anyone got any questions? Uh, yeah, so um, started in 2017 with the think tank. We didn't really know where that was going to go. And then it took us probably around nine months to convince them this was a good idea. Um, we had to find a derelict space, which was an old lab. And eventually we could put a business case together to say, okay, if I do this, what do you need me to prove? And actually, if you look at the bio for this talk, one of the major things I had to show is actually I could build this cheaper than normal space. And I managed to do that 30% cheaper than normal space by taking out things like ceiling tiles, uh, still keeping the innovation piece going, but actually not putting that corporate standard in of that varnished oak, you know, you see an OBS board and things like that in there. Uh, so yeah, so I do have a budget. Um, that's gone. Um, 
I'm now securing funding for the next six months. There was a question over there. So um, all of the data goes back to our central repository. It's all anonymized. And the reason we've kept it anonymous, even in the sprints or when they're doing the tests in the rooms, is that we want to share it with the partners that have put in tech into the space. So we want to share it with other groups. We want to come to conferences so we can talk about these. And actually, if you want to be part of it and want to see some of the data, we want to share it with people as well, because it's when you guys get involved that we actually learn from it. Talking about the global aspect of it, um, the cultural difference piece is really, the only way we can work on that is by building two more. So you have the UK and the US, which look at roughly the same amount of square footprint per person. So in the hub, we've got it down to three desks per 10 people. So we're pushing the, the, the boundary quite far. Now, actually, that's not that bad for Asia because they have a relatively small footprint per person anyway. Uh, but in the US, it's actually it's significantly more. So the, what we would look to do next is actually to build two more. Any other questions or? No, and that surprised me. Um, so we thought we were going to roughly get around about a 30% group that was saying, no, I don't want to be part of it, because they have to sign a data disclosure form, because this is above and beyond our company's normally, normal policy. Um, we bribed them with a Fitbit. I mean, sorry, we let them have a Fitbit <laughs> and some other tech, such as the water bottles and, and some of the things. And actually, that in itself found that we actually had 100% uptake. But I was surprised at that as well. No, that was one of my questions about uh, people who just refuse point blank to do it, but you didn't, you didn't have that experience at all? No, not Amazing. at all. We'll we see what happens with the next group going with the scientists. They seem to be really up for it, and when they go into the space, they're like, oh, wow. And you saw on the video, that was actually their first, um, when they walked into the space, we filmed their reaction. That seems to be enough at the moment to get them over the line. Uh, how long that will last, we'll see. Okay, Any final questions for Chris? I think he'll be around for, for the rest of the day as well, if you've got anything that you want to event. Um, so if you can join me in thanking Chris very much for the interesting presentation. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week on Virtual Roundtables Live. Make sure to visit our website, www.inspiredbusinessmedia.com, to learn about upcoming webinars and events.